All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Physics podcast. This is your host, Joseph Guzman. And today we have a very special episode for you, diverting from our typical grad student interviews, because we are collaborating with the Eigen Bros podcast. Eigen Bros is run by two physicists, Juan and Terrence, both of which have been on our show previously, so please check those out if you haven't already. And note that you can find this same conversation on their YouTube channel if that is of interest to you. Anyways, the topic of tonight's discussion is whether morality is objective. And for those of you who are uninitiated, this should hopefully be a fun and enlightening conversation. And much of what we talk about tonight is inspired by Sam Harris's The Moral Landscape. Anyways, if you feel that someone made a considerable blunder as you're listening, let us know and perhaps we can update our understanding. Also, I'd just like to give a quick apology that in the background, some people were eating as we had a spread of wine and cheese available, but overall, I feel that we were pretty mindful of our microphone etiquette, so hopefully that's not too bad. Anyways, this was a very fun conversation, and if you enjoyed it as much as we did, please let us know by liking, commenting, subscribing on whatever platform you're listening to. Also, be sure to check us out on Twitter and Facebook and the like. Anyways, without further ado, I bring to you Beyond the Physics versus the Eigenbros. This is Beyond the Physics. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Eigen Bros v. Beyond the Physics. Right, so Hello. Um, <laughs> so we are in the Beyond the Physics studio, right, for those of you who aren't familiar. Um, Beyond the Physics is also a podcast where me and Irene talk about physics, <laughs> uh, physics-related issues with grad students and the such, so go ahead and check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc., Right. And for Eigenbros, go ahead and make sure that you subscri subscribe to them on YouTube at Eigenbros, as well as Twitter, also at Eigenbros. Right. All sounds good? That's good, facts. man. <laughs> All facts. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the reason we are congregated here today is to talk about objective morality. Right. So Nice. I thought so, I'd just eat all this good food here. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're feasting. Right. That's right. Making sure everyone's comfortable. But um, so I guess there's a little preamble I want to stick in here because this can be kind of fraught territory. It can get kind of intense. Right. Um, so let's just try and be respectful and. No. <laughs> <laughs> just right, kidding. Right. right. And. Um, I guess the other thing is that we should recognize that obviously we are all four physicists, right? So we're dealing with a matter in philosophy. So I just wanted to let it be known that we can very easily bastardize the state of philosophy on these issues. So um, we might be a little more ignorant than, you know, 
philosophy major or something like well, that. Well, if we say anything stupid, people in the comments, you can always respond. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just give us correction. Just don't be too harsh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, anyways, objective morality. Where to yeah. start? Um, I guess before I sound off and like we get into definitions and everything and see where we stand, um, just vaguely, what's everyone's intuitions on it? Do, do you feel like before we even talk about clarifying? all the words that we're going to say here. Do you feel that morality is objective? Oh, right off the gate, we got to give our opinion? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah just, I think you should. Just a yes or no, just so I know what I'm, uh, how confident you guys are in these beliefs, right? So that mm -hmm. we can tailor the conversation. Okay, sure. My yeah. answer is off the top, no. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I'm also going to say no. Okay. No to not objective. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Okay. I would say, as far as I've been thinking about it, I would say that I can see a case where, yes, it is objective. Right. And I would also say that it is objective. So the table so it is, is a versus. So beyond the <laughs> yeah. physics versus argument. It is a versus. Oh, hell yeah. This Not is what clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 So this is going to be interesting here. Let's try and click. But now it's going to be whoever is at the end, it's going to be whoever destroys another one. I can bros destroy. Yeah. Or vice versa. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's just try and clear the air and see what. Whether we could get to any common ground here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have to agree, by the way, with our <laughs> definitions, right? Right, exactly. So that's what I kind of want to go into next. Yeah. Right, so um, I think the confusion for a lot of people comes into how we're defining objective, mm -hmm. right? So my argument is going to be that um, we accept a lot of other things as objective, like science, and we're applying a double standard to morality, is my issue, right? So um, it is possible to be logically consistent and say that morality is not objective, but I'm going to argue that if you're going to say that, you should also say that science is not objective, right? So I'll, mm. I'll, I'll kind of clear the air and s explain why I think that. Um, so I think people, when talking about uh, morality, they tend to think that objectivity is that which can we can be certain is true. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think the issue comes in in that um, how rigorous philosophy really is. Right. And if you want to know things to like epistemological, like how we know things for certain, um, it's much more rigorous than science, I think, in that aspect. Yeah. But then you'd have to define what truth is. Right. Right. right exactly. So I guess I'll pitch the question to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. OK. Is there anything that you could think of in your life that you can be certain is 100% true. But the thing is how, okay, what I define to be true is something that holds constant for all eternity is the same universally across space and time, right? And meaning if you go back in time and you go claims already, I got to say, <laughs> but that's my definition. Eternally of is how do you know if it lasts eternally? Do you mean but just based the on I the don't. time scales we've had? No, so I'm just far? saying like I can say something like throughout, like if I look back in history, I can say, oh, that any point in history, I can look back and say this hold held true. So it's all based on past though. That's the thing. And the thing is, yeah, but that's the thing. Like how I can't say with good sort of like with uh good in good faith, I can't say this is something absolutely true because as we know, 
the time evolution of things, right? Things can change mm-hmm. in yeah, time, right? Yeah, yes. So I think it's a hard claim to say eternal. That's my yeah. two cents there. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but my definition finish. of truth right. is that something that like, well, it's, it, it has to hold true, at, at least in the human aspect, right? We can just look at the past. Yeah. Because that's all we can, we can sort of look at. So I would say something that's held true throughout time um, at any point. So, okay, so, right. Oh, so holding that definition, then what would you say is something that you can say is for, with 100% certainty is true? Um, you're saying in the scope of social things? Anything, or are we talking about phys- like in physics? And I guess, like, I mean, as far as we know, the, the, some constants have held, you know, mm-hmm. have held true, so to say, throughout time. So, so like, for example, you'll say, from your definition that Plunk's constant, for example, is true by has held your true. Um, as far standard. as we know. As far as we know, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah, I guess because you can say at least by since the history of when we've discovered Plunk's constant, yeah. which is like no time at all in the history of anything, <laughs> right, right, right. but you know, at least you could go back that far. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Maybe better yet would be something else that maybe was more recent of a discovery or more more older of a discovery in physics. So like maybe like the gravity, gravity mm. would be a better example, maybe because at least with Newton's time, that was um, what at least several hundred years. Yeah. So really, we don't have a great track record of, you know, <laughs> of knowing if something's been true for a certain amount of time. Um, but yeah, I guess you could at least get a hundred years under your belt for yeah, something yeah, yeah, for yeah. some things. Yeah. So. Okay. Right, so I would say that that definition that you've put forward for truth is not the definition that people apply for morality, right? So, um, so like if in this instance, I think there is an answer for at least personally Mm -hmm. for meeting this definition of objective, right? Mm -hmm. That which we can be certain is true, which I know can be true for all time for my life, Mm -hmm. comes from Descartes. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's famous for saying, I think, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. The only thing I think I could be 100% certain of is that I am experiencing something. Mm-hmm. That my consciousness, I am having some experience of consciousness. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's a, uh, even if I'm in the matrix, even if my yeah. senses are an illusion, um, the laws of physics don't hold up tomorrow, I can be certain that I'm experiencing something right now. And that's the only thing I could think of, honestly, that meets that definition. I think I agree. Yeah. Because even the things what Juan is telling, uh, talking about is you're still dependent on history before you. Right. But as you're saying with Descartes, like to get really to the lowest levels, how do you know even that there was a history in your mind and just make that up? Right. right. So I, I tend to agree with your right. statement there a little bit more. I think. Right. Right. Exactly. And so I think what we're getting to the heart of is um, David Hume. Right. So he's kind of like um, a philosopher who kind of dictates a lot of these conversations about morality as far as I know I'm not a philosopher but whenever I see conversations about this he gets referenced right so he is um, referenced for coining the is ought distinction right Mm -hmm. and so what that to pitch that to you is basically um, I could give you as many facts about the universe as you want Um, those are is statements the universe is this way but you can never logically go from those is statements to how you ought to live. Yeah. Right. Given these facts, there's no room for you to logically say that you should value these certain things. And that's, that's kind of the ground for uh, moral subjectivism saying that um, 
you could give me as many facts as you want. You can never tell me how I should live or how I should live a good life or how you should be good to other people, right? That's the problem. But the other thing that Hume is famous for that, uh, well, is not, is um, the other thing that Hume is known for that um, doesn't get referenced as much is the is-will-be distinction, right? So this is what you're talking about is, mm-hmm. Given the way the universe is, it never logically follows that you can say the way the universe will be. Yeah. Right. So um, there's always some room for uncertainty is the problem philosophically. Right. So like you could say the sun has uh, risen yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. So you might say that by induction, the sun is going to rise tomorrow. But there's always the room for physics doesn't have to apply tomorrow or the next second or whatever, right? Sure. It's, it's always free logically to break yeah. down at any moment. Yeah. Right. So this is the problem. This is what people apply to morality that I think is utterly impractical, right? Cause we don't apply this standard to science, right? We don't say, Oh, we can notice that the sun rose the day before and the day before that and the day before that and build a model of how the sun works. Mm-hmm. We don't, expect that model to fail the next day right we agree that induction is a valid process right and so um anyways so uh basically uh anyways what do you guys think about that (laughs) i'm kind of trying to collect my thoughts there's a lot going on here. Hmm. yeah i'm trying to think about that um so i'm trying to think of the parallel that you're trying to make between um, morality and let's say like the laws of physics. Right. Um, from my understanding, I think that they could be seen within the same light. Right. Um, even the same thing as like you're saying the sun rises one day and it should rise again. Right. Physics really doesn't make that claim per se. It's mostly saying that based on these equations that we know that the sun follows, Yeah. it, it, it is logical to assume that the sun will go down this track but that's, yeah. and it can even predict when the sun will not shine again. Right. Yeah. So but those um, are based on current information yeah. or, or information yeah. from, you know, the earliest models that we can sort of. Right. And I think the morality could be the same way, honestly. Yeah. So let's think of this. Humans are, at least from my understanding, I would say humans are basically just a bunch of, we're a bunch of matter, right? Um, our brains are made up of matter and they have chemicals that drive how we move, you know, and how we think and whatnot. Um, and therefore I think since our bodies do follow the laws of physics, I think you could predict in the same way that you predict the sun, you know, the, the, let's say the rising and, and falling of the sun every day from perspective earth. Um, you could make the same kind of predictions with morality if we were right. tapped in and tuned in enough. Right. So yeah. let's say if our neuroscience was at the level where we understood the brain, you know, down to the molecule, yeah. then I think you could have some kind of objective measure for what is morally good and what is not. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I think the indicator would be. So when we actually have, um, let's say if you do a wrong flagship, let's say that you um, steal something, for example, um, if you steal something and you're, let's just assume you're a normal human, normal person, um, you should be able to have some kind of metric, uh, 
to measure when someone feels bad, right? So when you steal something, you feel bad later on. Right. That would be tapping into some moral. Um, some there's some moral part to that. Right. So then there should be some kind of measurable thing in that response. So the brain will release like cortisol or something, or or what's the other one? Um, adrenaline, so stress hormone. Something yeah, like that. something like adrenaline or cor- some stress hormone, exactly, yeah, yeah. or stress chemical, uh, for example. So then there should be some measurable way to quantify what is um, moral or not. Right. Now I'm kind of I'm kind of um, uh, defending your argument that it's subjective, <laughs> yes. right? Or right. objective. Yes. Right. Now, the reason I don't think it is objective, though, yeah. is because even when you're measuring those hormones, for example, I think that people probably will not measure, the, will not register the same kind of responses. Mm-hmm. So let's say this, for example, one thing that most people can, um, well, let me think. Um, there are certain things that will probably be more objective than others, let's say. So, for example, let's say if if someone murders someone, I would think that 99% of humans are going to have some kind of, let's say if we have our measuring device, they're going to have some kind of negative reaction in their brains that release some chemical that say this is, a, this is, this is morally wrong. Mm-hmm. That respect, I believe that the um, morality is more objective. Now, let's say something else where, um, let's say... Uh, you prank someone for some people I think they will not register a an objective um, metric of wrong feelings whereas someone who might be more sensitive to that will actually have some kind of release of feeling bad because they prank someone um, so that's where I think the subjectivity lies I think right. it's the more the more subtle arguments or the more subtle things that certain people may not have the same kind of release of chemical for those particular acts. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's an interesting argument. Yeah. I so mean, what's a, what's a fundamental unit in your metric? So it'd be moles, like moles, moles, <laughs> moles of cortisol or something. Yeah. <laughs> Mol- molars, mol- mol- like you know, something like uh, you know. Um, Damn, what's an absolute value of uh, of a morality? Morals, morals. Uh, an absolute know. value. One moral is uh, you know, one absolute Always value equal of to moral. this much cortisol yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you could. I think realistically, one day we could quantify that. Somehow. You can. Tr- yeah, you can try. I mean, I mean, my problem is, I have, you have to like examine the framework of why why we even can think about morality, right? Where does morality come from? In my in my scientific view, it comes from social dynamics, right? We, we evolved socially. We started developing preferable behavior because of, uh, you know, we, we needed to know how to work in groups uh, evolutionarily, right? So, you know, there's people that got ostracized that, you know, that were killing people or you know did stuff like that that wasn't preferable behavior i mean through the process of of evolution we've kind of i think lessened those kind of behaviors but statistically those things are still prevalent um and i don't think you could ever get rid of that because of probability and mutations and stuff like that you 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 know that it'll be hard to ever get rid of so uh 
Yeah, for me, morality is uh, it's kind of a tricky thing. I, I think I would like for there to be a, an objective um, morality. I think uh, that would obviously be fantastic. And then convincing people that objective morality exists too is also... Right, yeah. right. Right. Well, I think one thing that I should have said at the beginning that uh, yeah. I neglected to is that um, it sounds like the complaint of having an objective morality is that it could be utterly impractical, right? Um, so I want to just say that what I am interested in is talking about this from principles, right? Morality, um, like in the most abstract sense, like in the most fundamental sense, can morality be objective? Can you maybe clarify a little bit? I'm not fully understanding. Right. So, so I'm saying the way you go about implementing or um, putting an objective morality into practice can get you into some really um, hairy territory, right? And how you even go about quantifying it or measuring it or if we can ever get to that point is, oh, okay. is potentially problematic, right? And so both of these things, like, they could be legitimate criticisms. We may never get there. But I'm just saying as... Um, with physics, there is some fundamental truth underneath these equations or whatever. I want to argue that for morality, there is some underlying ethic, mm. and that's all I'm saying. You're saying there's something intrinsic, but but you're saying this moral framework only applies, obviously, right, in my opinion, to humans, right? Mm -hmm. You're saying this, it's not universal in the sense of animals, all animals or all insects are uh, applied to this. Right, so I, I want to say in terms of conscious creatures, but I think Irene has a... You, do you have a question that, that could perhaps guide Flesh this, this out? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, um, I don't know if I want to share it just yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write a book about this one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about that. But, um, yeah, uh, I don't know what you mean by question. Um, about how we evolved as a species and whether it's possible for other well, species. Or other life to, to Well, I mean, around. the reason why I believe that there could be some objective morality, right, is in terms of, like you said, I'm talking in terms of human beings as the social species that they are. Um, I'm not sure how that would apply to other species, species of animals, maybe asocial. That's another, like discussion i would say but in terms of humans and the social species i would say that the fact that we evolved into being a social species already underlies that there has to be some common instinct or some common ethic among the group at large not maybe not every individual there could be outliers that don't follow the same kind of biological makeup that would mm -hmm. cause them to have this instinct at large um that would ensure that the social species continues and survives right in the way that it has, which is the social species. And that, I believe, is this underlying at-large um, drive to care for not only you, but your well-being, but the well-being of the group at large. And that's where I think the origin of this objective morality comes, is from this need. Well, it has evolved over time as we've evolved um, as this essential aspect to continue us evolving in terms of being a social species. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I feel like yeah. that is, there's an underlying definition of objective morality in terms of this need, this drive that's like built into the evolution of our species. Well, um, 
yet the way that it's implemented or the way that this well-being is defined can be different depending on the cultures that you grow up in, like the environment that you grew up in. So it's not like we're saying that there may not be differences in terms of what you believe well, well-being is for the group, but it's more like that there is an underlying principle that we want to make sure the group is well-being is maximized. Well, my, my problem then is like how you're marketing objective morality. To me, that sounds like you're trying to argue for a fundamental like morality or an intrinsic kind of thing that, that might not necessarily be universal because you're saying it, it can evolve in time and stuff, but there's like a fundamental moral n- structure to like being a social conscious being. Right, right. So, so maybe it's, it's just for so, me, it's just language. So, I mean, no, it's, it's saying that we're marketing it a certain way. I haven't even gotten to like the definition or anything. Right? Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So th- this is something that I think, um, that your impression might be mm-hmm. imposing upon our views. Right. So, um, it's because of, I'd even get to the other, okay, <laughs> the okay, other um, use of objectivity that we wanted yeah. to apply. Oh, okay. Right. So um, the definition of objectivity that I would rather use than that which we can be certain is true. Um, I was hoping to go down to the point where we can agree that if we can't agree that um, uh, we can't say how the universe will be based upon how it is, it's kind of an utterly useless definition that most people don't go about. Um, practicing in their daily today life so I'd rather use the definition of objectivity of that which can be verified outside of the self right so like a scientific definition of objectivity right so that's the one I like the best right so it's a way of like um, saying you can measure your subjective appearance um, mm. subjective experience objectively so it's kind of like hard to get your mind around it but there are things about your subjective experience that can be objectively measured well i would say peer-reviewed is probably the best way to put it right well okay. but they can be yeah, almost yeah, yeah. anonymous in some way um i guess you could always have some errors with peer review because they could be biased by um ignorance of time mm-hmm. but um time but that's how you verify in. but that's how yeah. you verify but truth. maybe joe could you maybe expound a little bit more maybe an example of what you mean by Right. So um, in Sam Harris's book, The Moral Landscape, which is kind of the argument that we're pushing forward, is um, he gives an example of it is um, a subjective fact that I am experiencing tinnitus, a ringing in my ear. So that is a subjective experience, right? But um, it can be objectively uh, verified when he goes to the ear doctor, which it is. He goes to the ear doctor, you see that there's some internal damage to those structures, maybe the cochlear hairs or some of the internal structures of the ear. And you see it has nothing to do with his opinion that he's experiencing tinnitus. And it can be witnessed outside of himself. That's why I propose the whole cortisol measurement. Right, exactly. Because we know that that's linked to stress. Right. And usually the way I think a, a very good indicator of if you're morally doing the right thing is is are you getting those stress hormones released or are you getting those, um, let's say, the dopamine's a little bit harder. I didn't want to really go with that one because you could get dopamine from many things, right? And sure, even when you're not doing thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a common neurotransmitter that's used yeah, for a lot me. of Yeah, so processes. cortisol, I think, is the better one to measure with. Yeah. Um, although that also can have some problems too because like you could be scared and you can release cortisol. But let's say if you were actually in a controlled environment 
and you could be admitted administered some exam or something and then you're given some certain choices to do something you can see objectively measure someone's cortisol or something to see how their stress levels are so to me i think the only way you could ever achieve actually tamping down and um and actually um defining very clearly what an objective morality is is if you have some kind of metric of that that stress indicator of are you doing things morally um uh correctly or not right um yeah right right so i'm not um i'm not as tempted to restrict it to cortisol but in general i agree that um the way we go about um determining a moral action is through the brain is through conscious states Mm -hmm. and how the way you interface with the world affects your conscious experience right so um so our definition of morality just so we're all on the same page it seems like we kind of are but just to make sure is um quibbling about the words a little bit here but that to which is the to the um overall well-being of conscious creatures right so morality right an objective morality i I mean well maybe so i mean yeah i don't know i still i'm still like because here's the thing there's another problem where i think i get really this is the harder place for me to distinguish mm. is when you start to get into these um, grayer areas where you start to overlap morality and ethics. Mm-hmm. So ethics and morality have two distinct definitions, although a lot of times we try to interchange them. So when I was looking up today, the definitions of ethics and morality, ethics is kind of the extrinsic version of morality. So I think of ethics as the extrinsic external factors and morality as the intrinsic internal factors so morality is something that is is uh technically should be internalized from let's say maybe not say birth but well yeah it should be something internalized through birth let's say Mm. i'll make the bold statement of that and hopefully i can defend it (laughs) Um, and then ethics is the one that is crafted from the society you live in so cultural whatever the heck the ethical framework is the external or extrinsic framework yeah so i think you can feel bad from things if it infringes on your ethical framework Hmm. but then i think you can i think you can feel bad also from if you infringe on your moral framework Mm -hmm. but the problem lies sometimes when you get to the really gray areas what where are you infringing are you infringing on the morality side or the ethical side or broke or a combination of the two Mm -hmm. so that's where i think it starts to get a little bit difficult because let's say if you if you as we all can agree on, I think pretty much it's not good to murder people. Right. But we have soldiers, we have the military, they have to murder people as a way to, you know, retain our position in society and, you know, make sure your enemies aren't killing your family or your friends. So that is to me what it would be an example of a morality hit. Cause you know, you're going to probably be messed up from that at some level you know, because you had to murder someone, that's going to do some internal damage. Right. That's on the morality side. But then you can have maybe a little bit of justification from the ethical side. Yeah. Now, whether you feel less of an impact, that would be an interesting thing to see. I would like to see what it, it, if you would be in more internal anguish from killing someone in the name of good or in the name of your country mm-hmm. versus if you were just someone who plainly just murdered someone out of spite or something. Right. Or out of revenge or whatever. Right. So I, I think what you're getting at is basically um, kind of this distinction of what Irene was bringing up of um, the question of of 
what constitutes um, well-being is truly open, right? So that's for societies and cultures to kind of determine about how you go about maximizing um, their constituents' well-being, right? And so ethically, you can have um, very different conceptions of what morality or um, ethically, you can have very different conceptions about what is good and bad, yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, I think a morality is a much more rigid hmm. version where even if you have something ethically justified, your morality will give you an indicator that it's not per se. Yeah. But I wonder, my, my interest is, is there a lesser pain from that or something? Yeah. You know, if it is justified by your society and people are telling you, you know, you've done good and you're a hero, you know, I wonder if it, if it nullifies a little bit some of the internal pain but i don't know if it does i'm not convinced yeah do a case study on vets yeah and I, <laughs> I mean you you see yeah. what happens with vets although they oh, yeah. have other circumstances like they're they're yeah. always in fear of being killed yeah so you get ptsd and whatnot and that's not really you got other factors that are going to be noisy but that's um, from stress though that's yeah exactly like that's yeah yeah so there's I mean, other factors that make it hard to have a a clear like metric of yeah. You know, does this specific action yeah. infringe on your morality or not? I, I think, you know? I think it's. I mean, right now the case where soldiers killing people and then getting PTSD and stuff like that would serve Joe's objective morality thesis probably more because you know these people are going to do something that their country says is good and come back pretty messed up from it. Um, so there's some like they feel a sense of wrongdoing when they you know when mm -hmm. they go ahead and whatever protect their tribe or however they want to view it right um but yeah it's 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 just uh can, can we go back to your definition of, right so you want me to pitch it to you one more time yeah, yeah 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 okay so that to which is to the overall um well-being of conscious creatures mm -hmm. now that's yeah so i agree with pretty much most of the stuff, I think the breakdown is when it gets down to the grayer side of things. That's yeah. why I still kind of am leaning towards the morality subjective area because, this you is know, I think, I think also, I think a big part of it is awareness too. Mm -hmm. So I think someone can, can have a different morality sense depending on the awareness or their perspective of the situation. Mm -hmm. And when you have things of perspective and awareness, that to me is a subjective indicator. So, for example, um, what really Genghis made Khan? <laughs> no, I think he's pretty uh, morally morally fucked but in many ways. Thought, maybe he <laughs> thought he was a liberator or something. No. So the the main the, one of the the examples that pops into my head is like pranks or like for example, let's say like um, types like um, Eric Andre or like um, Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm -hmm. So these guys push the line. They really tiptoe on the line between you know, what's fucked up and what's not. Yeah. And I think... These are absurdists, by the way. Yeah, People so if you don't know, they they're, like, they're like comedian absurdists. Yeah. Um, you should know them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah. You have to turn uh, that off. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I okay, think so. we can have a little... I can have a little cheese. Can you, can you pass me a little, <laughs> yeah, little yeah, real yeah. quick? Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. <laughs> oh, God, Juan's going to start singing. That's a bad sign. I know. <laughs> but yeah, hold on. I, I got to hold in my thoughts, so... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sasha Baron Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll put it to the side right now. So, yeah, so Sasha Baron Cohen, Eric Andre, they do these very 
borderline is this morally right or not kind yeah. of actions. Yeah. And I think it's um crazy. And yeah, and, and the thing is I think their perspective allows them to do these things and they don't feel the they don't feel that moral indicator of pain mm-hmm. because they look at it from the perspective of absurdist humor and for the comedy alone. And and I'm sure that they wouldn't do something to someone else most of the time that's going to be something they wouldn't want to happen to them. Yeah. So I think the perspective part, that perspective part for me seems like it makes more morality much more subjective. Because when you start to tiptoe between that gray area, yeah. it well, becomes well, much harder to define. Can I add to this point? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. To elucidate on, on your point, so the, these absurdist comedians, what they do is is they put their guests in very stressful situations. And so if you want to go to your cortisol, you know, your, your, uh, you one unit of morality, which is a uh, moral, you know, then, then you still stress those people out, right? You, you put them in a situation where they feel that but perhaps being stressed out is not so bad. You know, people like to have, a state of arousal, you know, you like to go to roller coasters, you like to get scared, you know, so is it really that bad? Yeah, man, I'm see, this is why, this is why I like trying to, uh, to quantify these things is very tough. Um, but yeah, and that's why, and that's why I think they can be justified in it because if they think like, if I was in that position, it's not that bad. Like I can get, I get the joke and it's funny when you look at it later Yeah, and you're like, it was, it was all worth it. So, that perspective shift, and you can, and it's, and it can, and it seems like almost a big perspective shift because a lot of people would say like, "Oh, that's so fucked up," you know, like how could he do that to somebody, you know? So, yeah, that that to me indicates there's some kind of there's some kind of hard area there to define with morality and ethics, and they're overlapping there almost. Right. Well, what what I would say to that is that just because there are gray areas doesn't mean that there isn't some underlying ethic that you can use to objectify to objectify how gray it is right so it's like um the example i've heard is morality could be like chess right is you could be in a position where um you know there are objectively good and bad moves right um but uh you could also be in a position where there's a lot of like gray area, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's moves that aren't necessarily better than one another. And it's going to take a really developed um, science of morality to be able to distinguish those gray areas. But that doesn't signify to me as evidence that it is against the very principle of an objective morality. Okay. So my, my thing, I'm still trying to wrap your, my head around what you're trying to, what you're saying. And I'm, I'm, what I'm getting, okay, so this is kind of what I'm getting. Maybe it might, it might not be right, but okay, so morality, we can agree that morality is an emergent social phenomenon, right? Yeah. Morality is? Yeah. Meaning, it's an emergent social phenomenon. Yeah, oh, meaning, it, it develops from being a social animal. Yeah, All right, yeah. I agree. So it's an, an emergent social phenomenon, right? I still would call that human, like a biological probably. phenomenon. Because social implies it's like after. No, no, but bi- yeah, yeah, yeah. But bi- I like, no, but, maybe Irene's But biological would mean that it applies to other animals, which I don't think. Well, it's a different be. kind of morality then. then. So we're only sticking to the human definition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, we can't say biological. I'm trying okay, to, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to parse the language here. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's a social 
Right. So it's a socially emergent phenomena. So, but just because it's an emergent phenomena doesn't mean that there isn't some kind of, you're saying, um, truth that we can extract from it from like, you know, there is preferable behavior throughout societies. That's kind of what you're arguing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, murder is seen more than, more than, more than not. It's seen as something that's troublesome or painful for people. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's really hard for me to say <laughs> because, because like you can look at societies like, uh, you know, the, the Aztec where they, did ritual murders and they felt like it was the right thing to do. But then again, maybe they, they were still hurt by yeah, it. Yeah, they probably might they have probably been. felt They just didn't understand it, you know. But they, they felt like they had to sacrifice to the right. God. Okay, okay, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then maybe. I'd have to see the data and that's kind and of... also they could, they could put it on the executioner. So, sure, yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you're a bystander just watching the act, yeah. you know, it doesn't hurt you because you're not directly doing it. Yeah. So usually the person who takes the brunt, that's why it's also like, why do they have to have an executioner? Why can't they just do it themselves, you know? Yeah. You're putting that brunt all on the executioner. So maybe yeah. he feels the pain, but, you know, yeah, it's hard to I say. I mean, but still seeing it, like seeing people, I don't know. But then it's like, but if you're a group, uh, well, shit. Because I'm thinking about like when people were hanged for stuff, like trivial things like burglary. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, uh you know, is that really the fucking crime to pay like, for something like that? And and some people would cheer such things. And but is that overriding your intrinsic morality? Do you feel good that somebody's dying because of something like that? I, I don't know. Maybe in the moment. That's the other thing why I say I don't really like to measure the dopamine response because in the moment, let's say you really thought you were hanging a witch, you might feel a sense of relief, and then you get a dopamine rush, and you're like, "This is great," you know. But then you start thinking back. You know, was she really a witch? You know, <laughs> and then you start yeah. to actually go through it, and you know, you knew her family, and yeah. you know, that's when the morality kicks in. You know, so it could yeah. be a delayed effect. And it could also be the story that was crafted. Oh, they say witches are harmful to us as a society. Mm-hmm. They're gonna come in and what, whatever, kill like the members. Mm-hmm. So maybe then you're like demonizing witches. So you're saying, oh, they're going to be a threat to us as a whole. So then for the well-being of the whole, they're going to want to right. get rid of the witches. And that's where the ethics be- steps in. Yeah. So that ethical framework is almost overriding that morality. But I think ultimately the morality is still going to kick in because mm, murder yeah, is yeah. murder, right? And humans yeah. are not accustomed to that. So you're going to have some <laughs> impact at some level, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, think there may be, I think there may be a case to make that there is universal, like, you know, there's a sort of socially preferable behavior in us like that's how we evolved and you know once we expanded across the planet we still carry that with us um but to what degree i don't know and yeah i I mean maybe you can make the case but it's why i don't that's why i won't really argue anything on the more clear-cut cases because i think there are certain actions that are definitely more objectively immoral or moral compared to others. I think the the edge cases are the hard part. Yeah. To really suss out whether or whether morality is objective or subjective, I think it comes down to those edge cases. Yeah, cuz I mean you could say it's a normal case like you know where you do have outliers, but you know, I think the most the, the way most people see objective is true in all cases, you know. 
Right. So, so this is exactly what I was going to with the first yeah, definition. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. This maybe, is what mor- maybe morality is a wave instead of a particle. <laughs> <laughs> in some cases, it's a particle. In some cases, it's a that's wave a particle. physics joke right. for. Right. So, so I guess. Um, well, I just want to toss in one quick statement of maybe yeah, push yeah, on it, your yeah. intuitions because I see some leeway coming in here. Is basically, I just want to say that since you're a human, you're not born a blank slate, right? Mm. You're born with innate preferences. So I want to say that given the fact that you are a human, we already are building enough of a knowledge of your consciousness and how you interface with the world Mm -hmm. that we can say how those preferences manifest, right? We could say that you don't want to die, (laughs) Mm -hmm. generally speaking, right? Normally. Right, exactly. On a normal curve, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm not saying some ableist shit. I'm just saying, like, you know, on a normal distribution. <laughs> right, right. And so, and, and you want, you want to be treated how others, uh, you want to treat others the way that they would treat you, golden rule kind of thing. You know, these are typically well accepted beliefs across, you know, almost universally. Right. So, yeah. So I just want to say, you know, even though subjectively you are experiencing a human experience, we know a lot about how humans go about experiencing anything. So that we could s- start to peer into the fact that, in principle, that there is some un- objective ethic or mor- mm-hmm. morality under- underlying this. But anyways, I want to pivot to your point is um, perhaps some reasons why I don't think that these gray areas are as big of an issue as it is, is because we don't hold this same standard to science. Right. When we have um, a scientific consensus on something and then there are people that come in that defy that consensus um we don't toss out the whole science because of it there's a lot of people in the united states that believe that evolution is not true does that mean that biology is a completely unfounded science and it's subjective that everyone (laughs) that (laughs) that uh creationists are just as correct in principle as you know evolutionists right evolutionary practitioners Mm -hmm. um so this is why i'm not as troubled by these gray areas I can give you that. So I was just thinking of an example of maybe where we could kind of rock the boat to maybe even make it more of an interesting example of where morality could be subjective or objective. So I was just thinking of, let's say we got to fast forward into far in the future. And and, um, we have the ability to, let's say, teleport. So humans can teleport, but let's say with the with the um, using the kind of notions of teleportation that we know now you would have to uh, destroy or so let's say you have to do this so our teleportation is we're going from earth to mars you make a complete copy of person 1 and then you destroy person 1 and you now have a copy of person 1 on mars so let me let me say that one time one more time a little bit better person a is on earth person b is on mars or person a is on on earth person b will be teleported to mars through i guess like a cloning process but it's almost an it's almost a seamless transition yeah so person a steps into the teleporter he's actually copied person b is now being made on mars and that information is sent from Earth. So person A is now destroyed and person B only exists. Now, that is almost like murdering, I guess you could say, person A in some sense. Not really because person A is completely unaware of it. There's no pain. 
Um, and if you're looking from the outside perspective, an external viewpoint, um, people are going to see person B is exactly like person A. And there's really no disconnect between their consciousness, that, that timeline, let's say, of life. Now, that is almost like a form of killing, though. If people get that comfortable with, I guess you could say, destroying themselves in some sense, you know, because you could have the ability to teleport. This is this is a really sci-fi example, no, 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 but yeah, I'm trying going. to I'm trying to think of a way where murder can be, yeah, almost like, who cares? Right. Maybe even, not even with the teleport thing. Let's say that. Let's say um, if we could have like respawns for humans. So let's say if humans got to be such at such a level where we could literally just recreate ourselves from scratch. Like let's say somebody just wanted to have a prank and they stabbed you and killed you. Right. And they're like, oh, come on. But you have your brain in a database and your whole body and you can just recreate yourself instantly. Yeah. Now, is that morally wrong to murder then at that point? Yeah, I think that, I think that is totally consistent with our definition of morality because in, ingrained in it is the conscious experience of that person, right? So mm-hmm. I would only argue that in the teleporter example, right? I would only argue that it would be immoral to destroy person A is if it causes some psychological distress in person B or in any outside observer. If it only mm. if it if it affects the conscious states of the people that perceive that event, so you would then you'd have to reclassify as that is not murder then, right? Sure. Okay. I guess. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Well, because yeah, this the is only also like the abortion argument too, because then you get into a gray area there too with this. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You yeah. could argue that for sure. It's just uh, yeah, because like, I mean, maybe. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> I think this one's a little Joe bit higher going. level than the abortion argument, though, because you're actually destroying a person that has what most people will consider life. At the yeah. abortion argument, you can argue whether it has conscious life or not, right? right. This one is like, it's clear cut that this person has conscious yeah. life. Right. right. Well, so this is not depend. This does not go to our objective definition, but um, I would say that the reason, my intuition as to why we think murder is wrong is because that causes the cessation of that person's consciousness mm. and that causes a lot of um, anguish and a lot of um, it to the detriment of the conscious states of people around them mm. knowing that that consciousness is not going to exist in the universe so the very fact that person a's consciousness in, hypothetically it is perfectly mapped on to person mm. b yeah then i it's indistinguishable yeah. so yeah, exactly. it's not it's not <laughs> well, ceasing that consciousness okay. right yeah. so, all right i can give you that okay so but at the same time we don't live in a vacuum right so we interact with our world and outside of our social dynamic there are instances where we have to kill and murder for sustenance in that framework so that morality does not apply to animals, right? In your in your framework, no. right? Um, in what aspect? From from like the animals' perspective, or from the human perspective? From to the animals? human's perspective to the animals. Well, we're, we're, I, I am the tempted, killing animals is not immoral. Right? I am tempted to include that in the definition because if um, we know that if we can objectively say that um, if we can get to the point where we can objectively mm-hmm. say that animals experience some consciousness, some level of conscious well-being, mm-hmm. then um, I would want to say that it is immoral to kill an animal. I think I agree. I think it's immoral to kill an animal, but I think it's ethical. I think in our society, we've 
constructed a system where we can yeah. see it as ethical to yeah. kill animals. But I think um, morally, because I mean, just imagining like if I could even kill an animal myself, I'm tempted to think that I would feel pretty bad. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. even yeah, like yeah, just yeah. trying to imagine this is like killing a, a, a mouse or something. I feel like that kind of suck, but you know we do research on we do research on mice all the time. Yeah, but I feel we treat them as these. But that's mammalism, dude. Like you feel guilty killing a mammal. I feel no guilt killing a roach or something. Ooh, I used to actually feel guilty killing roaches. (laughs) Believe it or not, in some weird way. But (laughs) now I don't. But the argument that Joe could make is that the roach is in conscience. Like is in conscious of its existence. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of lower form of conscience. Yeah, exactly. There could could be a lot of ways out of that, but yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, did you have something to add on? No, to you're just, I'm, I'm trying to throw things at your model here <laughs> and just being like, well, you being know, I'm not scientist. entirely sold on it, uh, but you yeah. know, I keep throwing stuff at it. Yeah, and, that's why uh, I keep, keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, I think the inclusion of like the consciousness factor is a good yeah. key yeah, that's element. A good, that's a good it. metric. Because the lower yeah. the consciousness, the less immoral, the lower the consciousness, the less immoral it feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The higher the consciousness, the more moral, yeah. moral it feels. Yeah, clearly morality has to apply to conscious yeah. entities, right? Because if you take a box of determinately non-conscious entities, say, say we accept that rocks are unconscious, you mm-hmm. take a you take a box, you fill it with rocks, you shake it up, so there's a lot of interactions between them. Does it make any sense to say that those interactions are moral or immoral? Sure. Uh, you said that the rocks are conscious or not conscious? Are not conscious. Not, not, if okay. we can agree that yeah, it is yeah, not yeah. conscious. No, no, no. No, it doesn't so, matter. So right. my, my <laughs> argument, though, is that judging things lesser life forms. So, like, if we aliens come and visit us, right? Mm. Or, you know, or mm. relativity happens and, you know, our, our future... Uh, so some people from the future come back and say, oh, we've lived on planet Earth a long time. And, you know, you guys are actually lesser beings, so... Bye-bye. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like... Well, the thing is now that's out of the fr- out of the scope because we've only defined morality within our sphere, you know, in oh, the human sphere. sphere yeah. Okay. In the human specific, and in, in this, in our same kind of um, uh, level level of... Um, Consciousness. Uh, sentience, though, okay, too. Okay, okay. Yeah. If we're like a million years ahead of us in time, then yeah, we might be... The fucking rocks, so <laughs> might, yeah, you know, yeah. in their framework, then yeah, it is yeah. a ball to kill us. So then we're just that's it, right? <laughs> You're just rocks. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. It, unfortunately, that might be the case, right? But yeah, but in the objective the case. morality case, we would have to be like, I mean, well, they're moral. It's their moral right to kill us. Well, we don't have to because that's our moral. So that's why. Oh, that's that's almost getting to the point where maybe this if, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of that's kind of true. Like you, you, you you're your morality is is maybe objective for your sphere of consciousness so perhaps it you can say it's objective for our sphere of consciousness maybe yeah. mm-hmm. but then if you're working anywhere outside of that at any higher level maybe it's not or lower level because we can clearly see we don't give a fuck about ants right <laughs> yeah. but you know in their sphere they don't want to die you yeah. know they feel pain well in, in my model i'm not necessarily so quick to like jump on the like okay the the level of consciousness really matters to me it's just like consciousness itself matters but um mm. i was just willing to grant that for the sake of argument but i mean um but yeah i totally agree with you is is, is that um we we already discussed about how this morality rises because it's an emergent phenomena from our biology mm-hmm. right so if we had some determinately like unique or different biology then we could easily be arguing for a different 
type of morality here. Sure. Maybe, and maybe there is some kind of moral thread that's consistent all the way. Or, and maybe you can like model how morality shifts mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. each level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So maybe there are some certain factors that, you know, it's just like an equation that gets built up. Like, let's say we started from Newtonian mechanics, then we branched out to relativity on one end, and then we branched mm-hmm. to quantum mechanics on one end. Yeah. But really, they all are one continuous mm-hmm. picture. Maybe not okay. not all the way now, but yeah. in theory, that's how they should be, right? That's yeah. how we believe they, they are to be. Yeah. So maybe morality has some kind of similar, um, yeah. you know, similar pathway. Yeah, good- so I guess I also wanted to ask a question, what you guys think about this is for a social species to survive and continue, is it necessary for there to be this underlying morality that promotes the well-being of the other creatures? If we didn't have that, that we didn't intrinsically feel that we wanted to, um, we cared for the well-being of the creatures around us, you think that a social species could survive in the long term? Yeah, go ahead. So I I was actually going to ask, do you guys think our other cousins in our species like may not have developed... Like Neanderthals? Yeah, like Mm -hmm. they might may not have developed a sense of morality that we have that made us more successful than they were, right? So if you want to measure success in terms of like progeny and how, how much of the earth we or the our density you know in numbers if that means success then yeah i think you do need a moral framework for if you want to if you want to populate the the earth um yeah then yes you you would need that for a social species yeah i think so as well i think so it makes makes sense the only other option would be um if you're not sentient you're just operating purely off of um instinct Instinct, like because you can think of like collection of cells all they do is just they get you know, turned on or turned off depending on what proteins hit them or something. And then they're still operating as a unit, but it's completely mindless, right? So I think the only way a a species that has sentience, you need that morality framework in order to guide yourself. Yeah, So it's almost like an instinct, I think. Because it could very well be that our cousins, like the Neanderthals and like uh, Denisovans and our other, uh, anthropologists would probably speak better on this, but Mm -hmm. they may not, they may have, not develop the same level of social, the social network or social dynamics as much as uh, we did, uh, Homo sapiens. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that might have made it. That alone might have made us more successful, having rituals and culture and shit like that that increase social bonding. Like you know, that may have just made us more advantageous and now we're able to sit in a room and argue whether or not morality, <laughs> whether our moral superiority was, was what enabled us to be successful. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, so a useful thought experiment that I pitched to uh, yeah. Irene when we were talking about this is like a, uh, uh, asshole robot, right? Okay. So, so it's like, theoretically it's, I could see it as possible that creatures could exist that, um, have a totally asocial ethic or moral morality underlying them. But then it doesn't seem to make any sense to me logically that they could have uh, a society or some type of social structure, right? Because if, say, you have this this robot that's an asshole, right? And he just wants to basically um, fuck over as many people as possible to his own benefit, right? That's his definition of fucking over other robots, or people, or whatever. Yeah, fucking over other creatures. Let, let's just let's just okay. Let's go to a universe where there's only 
other asshole robots. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. This so is good. Right. Okay. So so we have a black box of a universe mm-hmm. where the species is a robot mm-hmm. and they're all assholes and they don't care about the well-being of other creatures of other robots. Do you think it's possible for them to structure a society where they all coexist and cohabitate and have um like a they could all live on planet Earth and there wouldn't be like total chaos? I think it'd be very tough because if they're constantly, because the thing is, if one of them sees some kind of advantage by, by um, hurting the other, it's going to be an obvious conclusion to just hurt the other one. Right. Yeah. And if you're going to keep doing that at a high level and they're all doing that, you then it's just to leading to a path of destruction. Yeah. Right. Well, so I don't think it makes sense. Your asshole robot scenario is literally all instinctive life. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 to me, that seems like the. I don't say the, I don't say all an- instinctive life because no, I mean they're not all assholes, but they they're willing to eat each other without recourse, willing to kill. But yeah, young. but the distinction yeah. here is social between asocial creatures. So uh, you can have animals that are social, like a wolf pack or yeah, something, yeah. and they won't work to the detriment of other exactly. wolves. Typically, okay, sure. exactly, yeah, yeah, they'll only yeah. work to the detriment of the bunny rabbit they're trying to eat. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count, yeah. right? Because they're not sure. in their system. Yeah. So yeah, so Joe's scenario, I don't think it makes sense. Um, I don't think it could happen. Um, maybe the only way I could see it is if they're not in close proximity, then you would not have a. Then, then that's not a, that's not a society. Then right, you know, like if they all if they all had their own planet, <laughs> then yeah, it would work. But then that's not a society. I guess you could maybe call it a society because you could just call it like their planetary society or some in some sense. Yeah, it, yeah. The only way I could ever see it working is if you redefine what you mean by social, and then they had enough proximity where they weren't gonna <laughs> fuck each other over. Yeah. But here's the thing: they may work something out though. Like we don't know if they will develop lying. To get taking advantage, right? So the game theory, right? If you apply like, but if you always know that the opponent's going to lie, there's no point in the thing. Is they're always going to be taking advantage? I just of don't know the degrees of freedom. Of if it's easier have. just to kill them, so yeah. you get them out of the way, you don't have to worry about manipulations from them or lying from them, right. and it's easier. Yeah, but just sometimes. Kill them. But if you yeah. see some benefit in them existing, like they could take care of. They had some skill that you didn't have, and they were able to like like extract some resource that you couldn't extract. Then I could see how there could be some benefit in partnering. Yeah, I know but, cooperation. But the thing like, is, eventually, if an opportunity comes where they could just finish off the other one, yeah, in some way, then there's probably an order of magnitude that you can of complexity that you can only go up to if everyone's an asshole. I'm pretty right. sure. Game yeah, theory, I think you're gonna I'm sure plateau theory, at some yeah, point. I'm yeah. sure. Game right. It's gonna top out. I feel this. like. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. So so that's why I want to argue is like, um, yeah, I agree with your analysis is that in principle, I think these entities could exist as perhaps like a loose network of entities that could coexist. But um, there's going to be a definite cap as to like how many people or how many asshole robots could exist within relation to one another because yeah. of this underlying morality. So given the fact that we exist in a society that is as it is now that we can observe mm-hmm. that is that could serve as some like probability some prior um bayesian statistic kind of thing that mm. suggests we have some underlying ethic that is not that is counter to this asshole robot morality yeah i think we do i think it just is it's just socially it's just um survive survivability just goes up right. way more when you have a 
yeah. a understanding and a and a and an actual yeah, an actual drive to help those around you and to you know make sure that you're all on the same page. It just it's just your survivability goes up tremendously. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like that's the whole thing. Was I'm like if you you know you don't even have to an- analyze things from altruism. It's just the fact that you know survivability is just doing the good thing is always best, right? Yeah. It's gonna make everything better for everyone. So. Yeah, I think it's just purely just that's that's the easiest way to do it. Makes the most sense. Yeah. So 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 on so a gauge where you're at, Juan, how you how you feeling about about uh, being convinced? I'm not sure. I'm not entirely convinced. Right. But so, it's a, so. but it's a good. It's I I like the idea. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any other points to add to this? <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea, but it's cool. Like I will say, it's having a like you guys are saying a fundamental moral structure and intrinsic to social our social group or our social um, society of humans um, to me it still seems like a preference like we I it's something that we we want to increase the cooperation in society you know preferably you'd want people to behave a certain way um, you know, and it's ah, it's just um, it's so hard to so, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to say. I, f- I feel like these definitions definitions get rocked by scale. Like, because I agree with Joe with one scale, and then I agree with my <laughs> yeah. with my with our yeah, position yeah. on one other scale. So it's like <laughs> you got to kind of like figure out what what's exactly the scale we're talking. You know, because it's like it goes back and forth, and this is a common thing with like any kind of patterns of the universe. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, when you start looking at one thing, it looks like some picture, and then you, when you expand it out, it changes. Yeah. So right, it's, it's right. all depending on what scale we're talking. What's, so yeah, yeah. It's it's hard for me even to even agree with myself. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But so it's okay that it's a preference. I don't. I um, like the fact is is that I think it's a natural preference. Is what I'm saying. Is that that this preference has arisen consistently, has emerged consistently in humans. Mm-hmm. So I don't see as it being perceived as a preference as a potential knock on it Mm -hmm. sure i mean (laughs) sure it's just hard to i mean how for me it's how do you measure that and how can you like you'd have to look at across all societies but not necessarily through time because your own definition says that it doesn't have to be true throughout the past right right you're saying like as far as right now we can look at society and say there is a fabric or a fundamental level in society where no not level it's the best way you can help me out here um i don't know what you're trying to say yeah no there's something <laughs> fundamental about morality there's a one yeah. there's yeah. a moral f- it's an instinctive driver in some sense right right yeah i think that's authentic social cohesion and all this other yeah. stuff and uh right so lessen the friction or whatever. yeah okay sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no yeah yeah, yeah right. No, right but so like the question is, how do we go about measuring it, right? And so right now, it's perhaps we're not in the best state of measuring these things, but mm. we are getting there, right? And so um, I think it will become increasingly easier to see how your, um, how the way you are raised in your society, in the world, how the world interacts directly with your consciousness affects you as a person. Like, as we come to understand get a better um, 
science, get a better neuroscience, a better understanding of how our brain works, mm -hmm. it will become increasingly easier to say how we're going to measure that. Right. So here, I, I could give you an example. I, I got a quote from a book um, from Sam Harris's Moral Landscape. Um, he says, uh, research on rodents suggests that parental care, social attachment, and stress regulation are governed in part by the hormones vasopressin and oxytocin. And um, because they influence activity in the brain's reward system. When asking why early childhood neglect is harmful to our psychological and social development, it seems reasonable to think that it might result from a disturbance in this same system. While it would be unethical to deprive young children of normal care for the purposes of experiment, society inadvertently performs such experiments every day. To study the effects of emotional deprivation in early childhood, one group of researchers measured the blood concentrations of oxytocin and vasopressin in two populations, children raised in traditional homes and children who spent their first years in an orphanage. As you might expect, children raised by the state generally do not receive the normal levels of nurturing, and they also tend to have social and emotional difficulties later on in life. As predicted, these children failed to show a normal surge of oxytocin and vasopressin in response to physical contact with their adopted mothers. So, anyways, so that was a long um, quote, but it's, it's just basically an example of how one could hypothetically go about measuring direct objective um, chemicals in the brain and seeing how that maps on to their social or asocial behavior. Okay, so in your framework, it would be immoral to, in this case, right, like uh, to put up a kid for adoption. Right. Well, yeah, in the, in the sense that we care about children's well-being, about yeah. their conscious states, if we know objectively that mm. putting them up for adoption negatively impacts those conscious states and causes them to at lash out for whatever for mm -hmm. these deficiencies mm -hmm. given by their upbringing, then yes, I think it is. It becomes increasingly objective to say that that is immoral. Yeah. I think it's ethical. That's the conundrum. I think with society, you have two things, and it's kind of you have to, right? Because if you didn't put them up for adoption, there's the alternative path. Imagine if the mother could not support the child. Yeah. Now she's trying to raise a child that she doesn't want, and she has a resentment now, and the kid is even worse now. Right. So, okay. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. So you have to kind of have these ethical foundations as well right. because you know the person who's in that situation might be able to decide better right. what's yeah. going to be the better outcome. But I think, right. I think your argument, Joe, is, is I think I'm starting to get it now. So you're just saying that like, if we can, as long as we can all agree that these things are bad, you're saying like in this case, you, you would have to convince me, but this isn't natural to me. Giving a kid up for adoption is wrong. Like you would tell me that. And I'd have to agree intrinsically that it's wrong because mm -hmm. you're saying in your framework, it's immoral, mm -hmm. right? I would need to be convinced in of that. In the objective framework, it's yeah, immoral. Yeah. I mean, according right. to your thing, but to me, it's not immoral. I would need see now that you give me information, I need to be convinced that it is immoral. So in that case, well, he just did because he said that the lower levels of yeah, uh, no, face I'm saying, yeah. but I'm saying before he told me this, I had no position on you know like putting up a kid for adoption. Mm. But he's telling us that it would be wrong. Well, mm. well, wait, wait, wait. So, so, so this is why I specifically wanted to avoid 
in practice versus in principle because okay. of exactly because of Terence's point is because that there, there are other factors to consider when it comes to putting up a child for adoption, right? So um, there's also the well-being of the mother that you have to consider. There's also the well-being of the society that you have to consider. So it's a multi-level problem that gets really complicated. So if we're just zooming in on just the conscious experience of the child, then it becomes easy to see that that is objectively immoral. But that's not even the full picture either because... Like you said, there might be this scenario if it if the child is not put up for adoption, that child might actually the well being can be lower than if it was put up Over for adoption. Time, yeah, so it's right. the ma- it's maximization of the well being with what's available with the options that are available. Right. Well that's okay, why I think it's maximizing. Okay. Yeah, that's why I think it's useful to have two different defini- to have the definition of morality and ethics. Because the combination I think there could be some maybe some minimization or maximization problem yeah. where, you know, if you're ethical if you're ethical, um, let's say, if it's ethically high and maybe morally kind of low, it's kind of like has a balancing or like the sum of the two, you can kind of get like a maximum value or something. Hmm. And if like the ethics is low and the morality is low, then obviously it's going to be a lower sum or something. So yeah. Okay. So there's maybe, probably an equation that you could <laughs> derive to, you could make somehow. <laughs> so, so this is kind of like Drive what economists, <laughs> so this is kind of what economists do because like what you're arguing is like social science stuff, right? So with economics, they, what's his name? Uh, the utilitarian guy, fucking, what's his name? The, uh, you, he, he developed a metric brand. of, of uh, measuring people's like happiness or something. Like, oh no, use, utility. So utils. So if you maximize, um, what is it? I guess happiness. Was it happiness? I can't remember. I don't now. remember. But, for you, maybe some of you out there know in the comment section, but um, yeah, there's this idea of maximizing utility. I think it's maximizing happiness. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, and there are certain philosophical scenarios where you're given where you maximize your utility or or whatever that means, right? And uh, and in your case, you would say you need to maximize morals, well-being, you know, the well, yeah, your your case of you know well-being and. And that human being, like what scenario does that? Um, yeah, then, then yeah, I mean, you would have to, I, I think, so you're not arguing that it's not in, so for me, that wouldn't necessarily be intrinsic. Like every, if it's intrinsic, that would mean to me that the person would make, knows what the right move is or knows the correct result but they do the opposite. You know what I mean? Like given the information they have, they they're able to look at the situation and say, this one's clearly the right move versus a situation where I picked the right, I picked what I think is the right move. And then somebody coming back and saying, well, you chose wrong and you're wrong. Like you're immoral or something like that. Then that would mean that would make the case for me that it's not necessarily an objective Morality. If I'm not able to discern from a scenario myself to choose which is right and which is wrong, do you get what I'm saying? It's kind of a so so. So are you saying if if you if every individual person can't come to this same definition of morality, then it's not objective. Can't come to like if they're all given a presence. If they're all given the same scenario across all the you know right now across all the world given one scenario if they all they all 
pick one answer and then say you tell them actually the answer you chose is immoral like then that argument to me would be that it's not intrinsic because these people didn't know what the right answer was well so just because just because people can be mistaken about facts doesn't mean that there isn't some underlying ethic here no but it's not they're not mistaken about a fact they're maybe choosing something because you i mean because the argument I, I i could be wrong maybe i'm mischaracterizing your argument but uh it sounds to me like you're saying you're arguing that this is intrinsic but i'm saying if it's intrinsic then person the person that's choosing an answer and then you coming back and saying that's wrong then that may be that it may be the case that they're not that it's not intrinsic because they're choosing the wrong answer so so what i'm saying is there is an intrinsic principle how people apply that principle may be inconsistent across individuals right because okay, you can't principle. look at you can't look to people to um, I don't know. I wonder if you guys are talking across each other because I can't really, I can't really tell right now. But um, yeah, you can't really leave it to people to to decide on what is objective or not, right? That's, objective is yeah. only left to people who can actually. There should, uh, I guess, you can leave it to people, but you need to. There should be a clear cut way to determine if something's objective. Sure. So there should be some metric. But what you're saying is, I don't know. I don't really understand because you're you're saying like. Because are you saying that because they if cannot tell if it's an intrinsic morality that it could maybe be an ethical problem? No, because if, okay, if the person doesn't know, like say say you take a survey and then everybody chooses everybody chooses a different answer, right? Okay. And my argument is that how can you say I could be wrong? How can you say that so this thing is intrinsic when the people intrinsically don't know don't have this this instinct so well i would say that going back we can also use the example of putting up a child for adoption mm. it seems like the point that i'm trying to make too that i agree with is that there's an intrinsic desire to do what's best for that child mm. but you don't maybe what you choose as what's best for that child is different than someone who's more educated in the possible outcomes for all the options might be so maybe they would choose something else and say put the child for adoption where you might say, oh, I'm going to keep the child because it's better for the child to be with me, even though it might, they might grow up in a very erratic environment that overall might actually decrease the well-being of that child. So where you think you might be maximizing it because you're not as educated, you, in the end, it ends up that someone else's choice was actually going to maximize that child. So okay, it's that's more, what I was trying to say. Yeah, it's okay. more like you in, <laughs> intrinsically, you have yeah. the motivation to ma to want to maximize and do the best that you can, but you may not because either maybe the ethics that you grew up in your culture mm. or because you're uneducated, you can't make that choice that actually does maximize the well-being. Right. So the argument, I'm, st I'm, I'm probably still getting fucked up on the objective <laughs> term stamped on there because, uh, because yeah, I, I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like you, um, but you're saying the intrinsic part of it is you want to do better for the child yes. in some case. But I, I'm trying to say that in some cases, some people may not be, that might not be their first instinct. That might not be their first thing that they go to. So, so that's fine. That's perfectly consistent with our but then, But then in your case, it would be immoral to do that. Yeah. And then, but then my case would be like, well, that's not necessarily a, in, 
there's then there's something that's not intrinsic to them and that breaks down right there at that that person so so remember the definition of objective that i want to continue with mm -hmm. is that which is verifiable outside of the self mm -hmm. so like a scientific definition mm -hmm. of objective not something that every person can necessarily come to the same conclusion intrinsically okay. it's something that they, there may be some guiding principle here. Yeah, yeah. There could be outliers to that mm -hmm. who, whose definitions of morality could differ, mm -hmm. right? So like, think about, here's an example I want to pitch to you in terms of science, right? Say you take a group of 10 people and mm -hmm. then um, you drop a ball, right? And mm -hmm. you ask them, can you model how that ball is supposed to move, right? And so say all 10 of those people aren't educated in physics, they have nothing, they know nothing about how the equations of motion for gravity interact with the body, and so they all just write some gobbledygook, no one comes to the, the same conclusion. Does that suggest that there is not a fundamental force acting here? No, I mean, that's... Mm. I'm saying, is it possible for everyone to be mistaken about this underlying truth? Yeah, but everybody would still be able to observe. I mean, everybody would observe that it's falling down. It, nobody would get it. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. And you're saying that the analogy is that in, in the framework of morality is that no one's figured it out yet. You're saying. Sure, probably. In this sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, I'm not taking away from that. I'm saying, I'm saying, look, I'm just trying to flesh it out. Yeah, yeah, of because, course. Uh, because, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm still a little bit skeptical. I mean, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be a scientist if, if I wasn't <laughs> skeptical. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought. Also, well, do, you, do you agree with me on that? That it's yeah, possible. yeah. I mean, it's because you know it, it's something that hasn't. I mean, it's something that is seen but has not been described, so to say, described well or modeled well, right? Pretty much. Mm -hmm. The argument here that you're making is that, like, yeah, morality has is seen, but it's not well described. Maybe depending on maybe what kind of metric you want to use. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. How are you feeling, Terrence? Are you still, on, in terms of your confidence level of where you walked in thinking that morality was not objective, how has that changed? Hmm. The, uh, the only things that really have changed are, for me, the, um, the trying to pin down a universal well not much has really changed the only thing that changes the only the only hard thing about arguing this is to know exactly where eat everyone else is coming from yeah so when i initially came in here i was thinking of morality in a, in a universal sense yeah which is why i said it was subjective yeah but there really is not so far too much disconnect i don't think between our perceptions yeah when it's analyzed in a certain scale. So I think to, for me, the biggest problem is a problem of scales. Yeah. And um, it's, I think it's not going to be easy to solve yeah, without no. any kind of um, real 
data, you know, like yeah. neuroscientists would be so much better. Yeah. You know, psychologists would be so much better. Really, neuroscience is the main one. I think you need, the thing is to really have anything objective, you need actual testable things. You need empirical data. Yeah. At least statistical. Statistical is not ideal, of course. You always want to just be able to hammer down, you know, like just an electron. I want the mass of the electron. Boom, there it is. But even statistical can work. Yeah. I think we just need data. And that's the only thing that will really be convincing for figuring out if it's objective. And I have a suspicion that there is an objective layer to reality. Right. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll reverse it. I'll reverse my opinion and say that I think it is objective because even when I was thinking that it was subjective, <clears throat> if you look at it from a universal standpoint or look at it from every single, every single possible, um, uh, creature, you yeah. know, at all levels of sentience, I think I like the objective version now more because I'm I'm now modeling it in my head now as more of a there has to be some kind of I suspect there's some kind of objective pattern yeah and it's some kind of emergent pattern that can actually be quantified and measured and actually created as an equation yeah and to me I would say that's objective then because yeah. if then at least then if you could say that this creature has let's just put a number like this creature has five amount of consciousness <laughs> then we can say at level at level five this is how the morality framework works and you can you can model their systems and see that their social structures model that system mm-hmm. and then you can pre- proceed all the way up to let's say humans are level ten mm-hmm. and then it all it all matches up yeah so I think that that would yeah. I think that that is something that is feasible in the future yeah so I mean. Yeah, I agree with so you. So I'm going to change my answer to okay. I think of reality. I think it, it, we do have an objective morality. I think okay. you, well, I think you can model an objective morality, but your metric would have to be, uh, it would be hard to figure out a good metric. Yeah. I think that's right. my, I think, that's my I only think it, thing. I think like, you could like, come up with one. I think we're just limited so much by neuroscience that we're just so far away. All this could be complete bullshit, right? right. This is all based on intuition, which <laughs> right. you know we all know for sure as physicists that intuition is <laughs> you get you get <laughs> fucked way hard after a while, you know, if you're yeah. looking at the wrong scales. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is all based on intuition. Of course, albeit we have a little bit more intuition than maybe the layman because we've seen patterns even when we're breaking intuition. So I'm still gonna invoke my intuition on this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm leaning more towards now in the best possible framework for tapping down morality as it is an objective morality. Right. If we had the proper metrics, we could do it. Yeah, That's what I'm going to say is my intuitive thought on it. I'm saying it can be objective. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, if you, I, I think you could say subjective if you're looking at a certain layer. I think yeah, that's yeah. what will what will throw you. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. Like at the level of ethics, I agree that as it stands currently, it is totally open playing field, right? Because mm. um, it's just, we really don't have neuroscience pinned down yet. But I see progress being made and I think we need, I think if this um, claim is true, I think it has important uh, ramifications for how we should structure society and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I think it's something that we should really start considering as possibly true, right? Because I think there's a lot of... Um, because of this double standard that we have for morality versus science, it really rigs the deck against ever making any progress on this, right? 
but you're saying but that distinction what is and what ought right because you're saying you're mm. saying you're making statements of what ought how things should be right sure yeah no i'm just i'm, I'm just asking right. like yeah 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 right but it's also coming from i'm not making an is from an ought i'm saying we're starting as humans we're born with an ought we're born with a preference we're born with things that we would rather have happen in our lives we would rather have good conscious states we mm -hmm. would rather not die. And if we can yeah. all agree that that is an inherent assumption in being a human, that we ought to prefer to be alive, then we ought to structure our society in a way that is to the benefit of well-being mm -hmm. of conscious creatures. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Then, I think, yeah, yeah. Then, I mean, yeah, I, I, I would agree. So you <laughs> I mean, in your <laughs> definition, yeah, but these are specific definitions yeah. that according to Joe's definition of objective morality, then. So I think, I, think, I, I, I think guess we know what the thumbnail is going to be then. <laughs> the uh, Beyond the Physics destroys Heigen <laughs> no, Bros with facts about, and logic. It's more about like how we should structure society because of this. Like we can, we can definitely allow murder, you know, but we would still feel bad for people being murdered. We do but, kind of allow murder for yeah. death penalty. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we allow murder for but people going to war. That's an ethical argument, I think. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. that's that would be also an, is a thing that I feel like is still pretty hazy for me which is also why i think i kind of land in the subjective area too because you remember in the beginning yeah the biggest qualm i had with subjective and objective was because of the gray areas yeah so and i think the gray areas we'd have to suss out the difference between ethics and morality a little bit better too yeah because you need ethics right yeah even in your example with the ad adoption like yeah. clearly there's a more ethical decision than the, than the other one yeah so there needs to be some kind of equation that quantifies the ethical the ethical aspects to a system alongside the moral aspects. And then you also have the underlying equation for morality. But not, the not ethical just, one, I think is going to be a harder one to tap down because that is more a subjective framework there than a moral one. When you say yeah. equation, you're not just saying like a T chart, right? Like you're not just saying like something huh? like a T chart pros and cons. You know? <laughs> you're saying like, no, no. I'm you're saying, saying like, like a model real equation, but with ethics, I think it'd be a lot. I think ethics might be either impossible or a very hard equation to make because I think ethics falls under the realm almost of like the subjective cultural aspects. So I think morality is the more, have you seen the more e steady framework. Yeah. Have you seen those equations like social Which scientists? Ones? have equations for certain things no it's they're insane they're like 16 terms yeah i'm sure they're horrendous <laughs> because it's like any any There's dealing so with anything dynamics, human so or anything right yeah, yeah. Right. dealing with anything beyond physics sucks because it's so hard <laughs> well i mean yeah there's maybe, too many variables too many variables right i mean maybe you can in the future we can actually model these kind of things yeah. and get get to a good degree of accuracy where you get to actually measure you know like you're saying morals like yeah. your unit of uh -huh. uh better bettering people like how you're saying well-being or measuring well-being i think um, that will start happening when certain fields start to be more and more combined you can already see it today like with um certain fields like let's say like neuroscience mm -hmm. you got people working in computer science mathematics biology physics all during neuros doing neuroscience mm -hmm. so when these fields start to become more blended and more and more unified I think that's when the possibilities will start to be really crazy because then everybody will have the same tools as let's say a hard science yeah. in maybe something that's considered more of a softer science nowadays, like let's say psychology or something. 
if you can start predicting people people's behaviors to a to a T based on neuroscience and stuff, then I think it's going to start to get really more um, tapped down. But it's yeah. only soft because you know the the degrees of freedom, right? They're just so large that yeah. you can't too you many have variables. To, yeah, you have to start making assumptions and stuff. Like right. That. Well, that's the definition of soft science. It doesn't mean it's <laughs> yeah. easy mode. It just means that it's yeah, for those actually people. it means actually almost the opposite. Like it's hard mode because <laughs> every single conclusion you make is like. Sure, a degree of you know, it yeah, might yeah. be true, but yeah, also yeah. it might not be. I mean, look at Freud. His whole career is pretty much bunk, <laughs> yeah. and he was a genius back in his day. So, <laughs> yeah, that just shows but, you. But so I guess that's why it's important that we come to an agreement on whether this objective morality exists in principle, because it's kind of hard to develop a science of something that you don't have a definition for, of something mm -hmm. that you can't even test, right? If you agree, if we all believe that morality is subjective, that someone who does something that most people would agree is morally wrong, but um, if moral subjectivism is true, there's no way we can say it's wrong, right? If we can't come to an agreement of saying like, okay, this is wrong and this is right, at least normatively speaking, mm -hmm. then how do you go about testing anything? Sure, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Yeah, but then it also, I think it comes down to education too, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then that's this is why I kind of, I'm still kind of on the edge here. But maybe you can educate me on this some other. <laughs> but also, are you talking about ethics or morality? Do you no, accept my definitions you, of ethics to, and morality? But, then, no, but that's what I'm saying. You'd have to be educated on the ethics and morality just so you know how to operate yourself within the framework okay. of being right. a morally good human being, mm, right? right. Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah. I mean, like you can still do bad things. You can still, you yeah. know, you can still make bad decisions and do things morally bad. You know, like in society, right? You you can kill someone, go to prison, and come out. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, does that mean you're forever a bad person? You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, no. anyway, uh, it's, um, yeah, my whole thing is like, if you need to be educated on it, I don't know, but that's do, my thing. Do, that's do my you thing. need to be educated on <laughs> physics? <laughs> yes. Does that mean that there is no underlying physics of the universe? No, there, yeah, no, there is, yeah. So but I'm saying like, but social interaction, it's like you can be taught, but in, in, but the thing is we don't need like within physics, we can have some, it's like, you don't get to break the laws of physics, right? Like you just live by them. You're but do in you that. get to break the laws of morality? I'm not yeah, so you, convinced. You, you can, you kill somebody. But that's not breaking the laws of morality. I think the thing that would be breaking the law of morality is can you actually feel a pain response from doing it? Well, I mean, I could throw a sociopath at you and it would be... Yeah, you know, but that's, like, okay, that's well, that an outlier of the system, I think. That. That's, so I'm talking about only normal humans. Well, then then no. Then I guess if you're, if you're excluding outliers and just looking at yeah, people always like that... Yeah, of course you get to generalize things at some level, right? Sure. Yeah, but I'm saying those people fit... It's hard to fit them in your models and even even just accounting for madness sometimes. Like people have like they murder out of love mm -hmm. or out of passion, you know, or in the moment kind of thing, you know, in, in temporary insanity is what some people plea. Um and yeah, it's like uh Yeah, but that still wouldn't make your action morally good. No, but to me that would kind of I mean this is why I'm saying like <laughs> I feel like it would break your model. I don't think it sense. would. I think it would be like, let's say, the fact that we have a transition from classical to quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. You know, your your system, once it transitions into that certain realm, 
then you have a whole different framework of the system. So you can always treat outliers as they're a different part of your system now. They're just the extension to your system. Oh, I see. Okay. You see, so it's not it's not like it breaks your system. You have to that's why you always say to start with the generalized version of your system mm-hmm. first. And then you can build the outliers later on, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, so I guess I, I did want to ask you uh, another question, Terrence, is um, I wanted to get a sense of your intuitions, right, since we were talking about them, is okay. um, um, is that, do you, is your t- intuition the same as mine in terms of that we are going to be increasingly making more objective claims about consciousness, about how actions, your actions in the world directly affects the conscious states of other creatures right as we learn more about neuroscience will we learn more about how those neurochemicals or um express themselves in terms of your behavior i would certainly hope so because i think that's like the ultimate direction that we're trying to push for right right so i think that's the ultimate goal right we want to be able to it would be beautiful for scientists if we could just predict everything right um, you know, we want to always try to make predictions. We always want to analyze things and understand things to the highest possible levels. And I think for neuroscience, that's kind of the direction you want to understand the brain at such a high level that you can make predictions on people's behavior. You can quantify their morale, their moral decisions. Right. You can, you can quantify how their consciousness or, or what you're saying was affects other people. Right. I mean, all of these things are the goal, right? right? So I, I think that is the direction right so i i guess where you could come into some disagreement with this framework of objective morality is if your intuitions are vastly different right if um juan what about your intuitions do you think it's even possible for neuroscience to get to such a level yeah you sure sometime in the future yeah they, they you could i mean you just need the technology and the wherewithal to be able to model all these variables and characterize them properly and and have them have the models be tight i mean yeah i mean you you i mean i guess in theory you could um but in practice well i'm saying it's a question what's your intuition do you think that that is like say however many years in the future 100 years from now 200 years whatever can we start to make more and more objective claims about consciousness about your experience of consciousness, I guess. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't know. Maybe it's the wine talking, but I don't know. <laughs> it's the wine talking. I feel like it's definitely possible already with like technology that we see. Like You can track people easily, right? They're working on technology to be able to really read brain waves so that they can mm. understand like connecting your thoughts to the specific brain waves. We can already... like monitor people's heart rates and like with the smart watches right mm. so if you combine all this technology and then also some way to read like the neurotransmitters going off at all moments instantaneously where like people could be wearing these trackers at all times and then connecting their location with the location of the person they're in- interacting with then like recording that interaction and then recording their reaction to the interaction and then your reaction to the interaction and then with all the computing like space that we can probably have in the future even more right so i bet you, you can right we're not even close yeah exactly computers, you, know, you can take all that data around. and it can be like quickly yeah. 
with a i mean using all the technology that you already see that we're getting in all these sectors i see that as totally possible to be able to get all that data sort through it understand it a computer program can do all that for us right so right to me like the best way to analyze these things if it's possible with our limited intuition is like does it violate the laws of physics if not then yeah it's probably gonna happen right (laughs) so all of these things to me do not seem to violate any laws of physics so to me it's just like the only the only barrier then is time so if we don't literally destroy ourselves as a civilization then it's like these these pathways are inevitable almost yeah that's what i'm saying in theory it's possible but I don't know. Will, will we ever get to that point, right? There's sure. Like yeah. Time, right? I mean, I yeah, if know. we're going to nuke ourselves to, to yeah, hell, yeah. then yeah, maybe not. I mean, or, we could do know? something gravely immoral to every human on earth and nuke everybody. And, well, you sure. Know. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. Well, I guess I'm asking because your intuition could be that we could never solve these problems in oh, terms I of see. consciousness. If that's your intuition, that we can never get any objective claims about consciousness whatsoever, then I could see a case being made of, okay, then there's no way for even for us to oh, even I test see. an objective framework. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to do all that. Like, you can just map things. Like, I mean, it's not like you're mapping certain behavior from the brain to certain inputs, and you're reading those things. And yeah, you know, it's, I, mean, I you think the mystical that. aspect of consciousness is slowly dying mm-hmm. because we've already have things that really defy that already. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the split brain experiment. No, but the thing is, we don't need to understand it. We might need, we might know but I'm how saying, certain things Yeah, I'm function. saying like the only times that people are going to ascribe to saying we won't ever understand it is when you start to get at, at the metaphysical aspects. Right, you're trying right, to say right, that right, consciousness right. is something that is that emerges from outside of our universe, you know, or some kind like of that. soul yeah, or yeah, some yeah. cosmic thing. Mm-hmm. Well, not cosmic in that sense, but, you know, like <laughs> yeah. um, metaphysical. So I think that that understanding is already slowly dying. So, you know... If it's imper- if it's something that exists in the material world and you can quantify it, it's going to get quantified. Hopefully, at some level, you know, if time allows. Yeah. So you know, yeah, I think I think we're getting past the stage of thinking that consciousness is something that cannot be yeah tapped or cannot be nailed down. You know, yeah. it yeah. exists in the real world. Yeah. I mean, you might not even yeah. need to understand it. Is my point? You could just map. You could just like. Oh, like really like internalize it is what you're saying? Like, yeah. Like quantum mechanics. Like yeah, we don't yeah, know what yeah. the fuck is happening exactly. with quantum, but we know all the math. You know how to do it. We know yeah. how to work with it. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I agree. That's, it's, it's I'm something saying, like that's, that. You can do that. And yeah. That may be possible. I'm just trying to make sure that people aren't saying that. It's something <laughs> metaphysical. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, because yeah, yeah. people always yeah. want to assert a soul into the equation and right, all this right, stuff right, that right. is not necessary. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. And I think... There's another way of proceeding with this argument for objective morality, whereas if we can come to an agreement that free will uh, doesn't exist, then uh, you can really put the nail in the coffin. But I didn't want to cover too much ground today because I knew that <laughs> there was, was a whole other there, there's already enough here. And I think since we're all scientists that we might have been able to make significant ground. I don't know. what What is your guys' impression? Did you guys take a good amount away from this conversation or sure yeah of course i did i got a nice yeah. little better um framework now built for morality that i didn't have before mm-hmm. the um yeah the really the thing of thinking about how morality changes between consciousness i really want to explore that more now i'm going to actually probably be thinking about that tonight <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard cases of uh people trying to make i used to believe in objective morality but i used believe in in the traditional sense of the word where, you know, I, 
I had an inkling and intuition of it, but I was convinced otherwise because of historical, um, historical, like, uh, just instances and cases and anthropologists, you know, writing papers about different societies and stuff. But in your definition, you make, you make the case of like looking at our sphere now and yeah, you can look at morality as an emergent phenomenon and stuff, but we're looking at what's preferable behavior in terms of maximizing well being. then yeah, there, then I guess you can make the case is what I'm saying. Like I haven't seen it, written in the way you have it sort of thought it out mm. maybe i mean as I, i'm saying me well, i also joe has been pulling from uh sam harris's um what is it moral it's landscape book. yeah, yeah. So, like I so it has been it. written in some sense because he's been pulling a right. good yeah. bit of arguments from but him. i don't know yeah. does he argue for an objective morality yeah, yeah. Oh, okay well then shit you just gotta look at Sam Harris. I guess I gotta <laughs> look at Sam Harris. Well, fest. Well, 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 there's a whole like rich. It's like what? Controversial statement. Yeah, because the, the thing is, because the thing is, to make a case against, to make a case for anything, you have to give a good case for anything. You have to give, um, you have to be aware of your limitations. You have to also say these are the limitations of my model. These are what I. These are these are situations and scenarios that I can answer, and these are scenarios that I cannot. And then you would hope that someone comes along and. A, fine tunes your model to make it apply to these things that they don't, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, look, if, if you want to keep developing this, like, I think it's interesting. Um, you can, yeah, you can go all day with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause the thing is, this is in philosophy, uh, philosophy territory, right? In philosophy, you can just, talk all day until you're blue in the face and you know, nothing's ever going to get solved. You get a better mental image, but really at the end of the day, science, that's the only way you're going to find answers. Yeah. Right. We're all scientists. We get it. You know, yeah. I'm sure we all, yeah, you'd have we to, all realize it. But that's now. what my thing is like, I'm, I'm just like you, I still have to see it put through the ringer and I have, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm glad yeah. you brought but, us on because yeah. it's like, yeah, it's, our mental picture is more developed now. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is a good place to start no, off. No, for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're, I keep throwing things at you and you, you keep deflecting back. So that's good. So that, means, that means that you've, <laughs> you know, you got to stress test things, right? right. You got to right. like, right. Of course. Like yeah. Stuff. yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like I'm 100% convinced of this yeah, either. Yeah. It's just like, given all the data that I've seen, this is what makes the most sense I to see, me. I see. I see. Right. So of course yeah. I could be convinced otherwise. And that's definitely why I wanted to talk about it because yeah, yeah. it's like, it's this area where it's like, I'm not even like, I wouldn't say 90% convinced. I would say I'm like 65% confident that this is true. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to see if you guys, if you guys could bounce something my way that yeah, could yeah, prove yeah, me that wrong. You couldn't answer. Um, hmm. shit. Then I wish I came, I wish I knew your <laughs> argument beforehand, that I, but then I don't know. I, I kind of approach it very like, you know. There's there's kind of a romantic in me that wants to believe in an objective morality, but this is why I'm like I'm erring on the side of skepticism. Um, did did we um, give you guys any um, interesting arguments? Do you oh think? yeah, of course. I mean, okay. it def definitely. I mean, the point that you tried to drive home was really hammering out this distinction between morality yeah. and ethics, which mm -hmm. I hadn't really. I didn't really even know the difference or the definition, <laughs> yeah, so it was really necessary. Until I started researching. Yeah, like, oh, it really helped. Things. Yeah, yeah. Of, that's where our, our model kind of, um, those, those are kind of the limits of our model, right? Like it's mm. still consistent, but that is definitely an area that needs work in order yeah. to be more And that's convincing. really a dichotomy that, haven't you guys noticed that such a universal dichotomy, like intrin intrinsic versus extrinsic mm. is mm -hmm. a lot of shit. Yeah. A lot of stuff. But that goes, to Joe's, that goes to Joe's point. It's like, isn't what ought, like ethics is like what ought, how you should 
do things, right? No, no, no. That's different. That's different. You sure? Yeah. Because like, extrinsic is. Oh yeah, I guess it is yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, huh? Because yeah, that's the way I've seen it. It's just yeah, like, you're right. You know, you're right. Um, morality is because the ought is like the ethical part, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. what is the way you is, should do is the intrinsic. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. Yeah. That yeah. The argument's like everywhere. I mean, that <laughs> dichotomy exists in so many areas. Yeah. yeah. So I should. Yeah, I should have known better. Yeah, of course, I got a lot through this uh, conversation. It's been a lot of fun. I'm mindful of your time, right? So oh, like, right, right, I, right. I know there's mm-hmm. time constraints. So do we want to wrap it up here, guys? Or yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you having us on. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're technically on your show just as oh, much, yeah, right? True, so. Guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you're hosting us, right? So, I wanted to so. take part in this bountiful feast a little yeah, more. Yeah. But, uh, so uh, I didn't want to give people a mukbang over here. All right. So, so I'll just we'll take a break here I mean so I just want to say uh, thank you all for watching if this mm-hmm. uh, camera's still going um, <laughs> is uh, so go ahead I, if you're watching this on Agon Bros go ahead and check out Beyond the Physics at mm-hmm. all your podcasting platforms and vice versa if you're watching us on the podcasting platforms mm-hmm. go subscribe to Eigen Bros at YouTube and Twitter yep. and yeah thanks yeah guys make sure uh, to also yeah to definitely go to the Twitter we have episodes every week so yep So thanks for joining us. If you made it this far, we really appreciate you. And uh, I guess we'll see you guys next time. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Bye.